Ladies, gents, welcome. Thanks for tuning in to this week's Elite Fantasy Basketball Podcast. This week, we're going to be going over all 11 of last night's games and talking about the interesting fantasy storylines on 22 of the league's 30 teams. If you want advice on pickups and drops, as well as sell high and buy low options, you come to the right place. We should hit on about 100 players today. If you don't already, please subscribe to the pod wherever you listen to it. And if you have any questions for me, feel free to shoot me a message on Slack if you're an EFP subscriber or on Twitter at Adam G. Stock. We'll start with the Spurs win over the Celtics. Unfortunately, we can't read too much into the box score on the Spurs side since the Spurs are having a COVID outbreak. Keldon, Vassell, and Derek White are now all in protocol. Keldon is very droppable in category leagues nowadays in protocol. Honestly, it was droppable before that. In points leagues, I would hold him through this stretch, though. Johnson's barely been a top 209 cat guy this year, so he's not really worth taking a week or two hit for. He's only going to be a top 150 player if you're punting blocks or free throw percentage in any other build. He's probably more of a 14-team league guy. Vassell, I try to hold it if you're doing well, but if you're struggling, then feel free to stream his spot. Still got really nice, a really nice long-term outlook, and he's looked pretty good lately. But if you're already down a few guys and are in danger of getting like 7-2 or 8-1, uh, then you should do what you need to do to avoid the blowout. With Johnson, Vassell, and White out, we'll get lots of Keita Bates job. Bryn Forbes and probably Josh Primo as well. Bates job should be an outstanding rebounding streamer who should play enough to give you a little bit in points and steals. Probably not too much, but the board should be really nice. He's a really nice per-minute rebounder. Forbes should be a good point streamer and an elite three streamer. I'd ignore Primo for now and look for something safer. The minutes aren't guaranteed to be huge, and he's been pretty poor on a per-minute basis. The Celtics got Tatum back and had their entire starting lineup intact for the first time in a while. No one besides Jalen Brown played well, but it wasn't a limited illuminating night for the rotation especially the bench guys Schroeder only played 25 and Jay Rich only played 21 I'm not dropping Schroeder yet because I think he probably has some trade value not a ton but due to the flashy points per game and assists per game you might be able to squeeze out a long-term top 115 guy maybe after his next big game that would be a win because in a bench role Schroeder has been pretty useless hasn't even been a top 200 guy his full year numbers look okay but they don't really tell us much because he's played almost 36 minutes a night in the games that he started. That's obviously skewed his averages. As a reserve, he's averaged only 11 points, 1.23s per game, and four boards while shooting an ugly percentage from the floor. Schroeder is probably going to be more of a 14-team league option unless one of the starters goes down. Josh Richardson has been a borderline top 160 guy this year, and he's also more of a 14-teamer, maybe even just a 16-teamer. If he's going to play minutes in the mid-20s, he's going to give you about average threes to steal a night and not much else. You can probably do better than that even in deeper settings. Our next game is the Hornets versus the Pistons. The Hornets annihilated the Pistons behind 32 from Oubre. Despite the big night, though, I wouldn't view him as more than a 13th man in 12-team leagues. Just too inconsistent to be more than that. Last game, he only played 12 minutes, and he's not going to play much on nights when he's cold. In Roto, I would view him as a must-hold, though, because you can just bench him and wait for a starter to go down and then start him and enjoy the top 100 lines that'll give you. When he gets big minutes, he's usually pretty good, but his minutes are just too dependent on how well he's playing for me to want to call him a must have in 12 team leagues in 10 team leagues he's definitely expendable nothing too fancy last night from the rest of the starters bridges has been trending down for a while now he's only been a top 55 player over the last two months i value him slightly higher than that even though i think top 55 is a fair per game projection because he does have a little more upside than that and the fact that he's not a rest risk the hornets are a borderline playoff team so they're not going to be giving their guys nights off late in the season I think it's pretty unlikely, though, that his early round form does come back. His steal rate has dipped a good amount after a hot start in the category. He's always been a pretty big drag on steals all the way back to Michigan State. So I think the hot start in steals was probably just a fluke. 
Lamelo's been trending down as well. I'm not too worried about Lamelo though. He's locked in as an early round guy. The number to watch with Lamelo is his free throw percentage. He shot only 81% from the line over the last month after being above 90% early on in the season. Given how mediocre he was from the line last year, it would be pretty surprising to me if the hot start proved uh, to be the new Lamelo. I'm sure he's improved from the line, but 90% is a pretty tough success rate to maintain. If he drops to 80%, then he'll lose about a round of value. Not a huge deal, but it is something to consider when trying to figure out his trade value. Plumlee only played 19. He didn't do much. With PJ back, he's just a streamer outside of 16-team punt free throw percentage setups. Washington himself played 24 minutes at 14, 8, and 4 with some extras. It's a brutal free throw shooting. He's still a hold in 12-team leagues, even though the minutes aren't going to be massive. His upside is definitely capped by Plumlee, but he's a very strong permanent player, so he can survive in a 24-25 minute per game role. Cody Martin only played 18 and is a drop in 12-teamers. In 14-teamers, he's borderline. In 16-team leagues, he needs to be held. In all leagues, he'll be a must-watch all year long because if one of the starters goes down, he could get big minutes. And in big minutes, we've seen that he can be a top 100 guy. On the Pistons side, we've got a tough game from Bay. He should be a top 100 player until Grant is back, but Cade being healthy is going to hurt him. I'd be trying to sell high, although it is possible that he's pretty useful all year long since it seems like a Grant trade is on the table. Killian Hayes is back now too, but he's just a steals and assist streamer, even in 16-team leagues. Lyle started and had 17-7, and but we can ignore him because Beef Stew is back tonight. Diallo had another rough game, although the low minutes were probably tied to the score. He's a hold for now as the team's third option, but that could change very soon. In points leagues, I would give him a little more leash than I would in category leagues since his game is a better fit for that setting since his lack of threes and really bad free throw percentage doesn't hurt as much. Stewart got dropped in a lot of leagues, and now that he's backed, he should be scooped up. It's been a disappointing uh, season for Stu, but the minutes were trending in the right direction before protocol, and Olnick doesn't sound like he's too close. The Mavs got a big win over the Warriors on Dirk's jersey retirement night. No KP, so Kleba played 35. Unfortunately, he shot 1 for 9, but he did have 10 boards and a block. Should be on a roster in all leagues until Porzingis is back for his 3s, boards, and blocks. Hard to say what his role will look like when once KP is healthy, since Kidd has been playing around with the big man rotation all year long. There's a good chance that he's a must in 14-team leagues all year long, but in 12-team leagues, hard to say. Could get stuck in a 25-minute-per-game role where he's not that useful. Dorian Finney-Smith had 17-9 and with four threes and two blocks. He's been a must in all leagues all year. Yes, even 10-team leagues. His role is pretty safe right now, and he's been a top 80 player over the last two months. Luca had 26-8-7 on bad efficiency and picked up an ankle injury late, which is going to cost him at least one game on Friday. I don't view him as an elite option at this point in category leagues. In points leagues, he is. The holes in his line are just as bad as ever. In trade talks, I'd value him as more of a top 25 guy. And that's just a 9-cat head-to-head where we can slide him into punt free throw percentage, maybe punt free throw percentage and turnovers, and really boost his value. In Roto, where it's harder to punt, he's more of a top 45 guy. Lucas is actually ranked outside of the top 50 on the year in 9-cat. We just need to see some improvement from Luca. He's not going to be a first-round option next year in category leagues unless he really turns it up down the stretch. Hardaway had 14 with two threes and a steal. He's a 12-team guy, but in 10, you can probably do better. More of like a top 130 guy. And since points and threes and not much else, that's a pretty common line to find on the wire. I, I wouldn't get too attached to Hardaway. I think a streaming spot's going to be more valuable than him. Steph continues to really struggle, and normally you call a player struggling as bad as he is a buy low, but I don't know 
know how the heck you really buy low on Steph. No one is giving you Steph for a second rounder or something like that. Maybe you could do a trade. You upgrade Harden for him if Steph fits your build a little better. But in most cases, we just have to sit tight and hope he turns it around. Start getting less defensive attention in about a week when Clay's back. And he did trend up as last year went along. So I'm, I'm pretty hopeful. Poole and Wiggins are both sell highs, especially Poole. Poole is going to come off the bench when Clay's healthy and will probably have some low minute nights when he's not playing well. It's very possible he drops out of the top 100. Wiggins' role is safer, but he's going to take a usage rate hit, and that's a bit of an issue since he does dra- derive a lot of value from usage-related categories. I'd be trying to move both guys for safe top 80 long-term plays and see if you get any bites. That might be a stretch, but it feels possible. Poole's been really good this year, and Wiggins has been on a heater. Gary Payton had a real nice game with 11 and 11 with two steals on perfect shooting. It's been a good run, but I have a hard time seeing how he's going to be more than a streamer with when Clay's back. The Jazz edged out the shorthand in Nuggets by six. As usual, there's not much to talk about when it comes to the Jazz. Their top four is very steady, although Gobert is in protocol now. Clarkson is just a low-end punt field goal percentage piece, who isn't a must-have in 10 team leagues. Only been a top 175-ish guy. Really, he's a, a build-specific guy. Rudy and Whiteside are streamers. Whiteside, a really strong one for the the next week if he can come back from his concussion and Gobert is out for the full week. O'Neal is the one guy that's kind of hard to predict. He's been really poor lately, but he exploded for 13, 11, and 5 with three threes and a steal and a block last night. He's a must-hold in punt points. In anything else, at least in 12-team leagues, he's expendable, although I wouldn't call him a must-drop either. His role has been real steady lately, even though he has been struggling. He's just been bad because his shot hasn't been falling. Once he starts hitting a shot again, he could be a top 100 player. I would call him a must-hold in 14-team leagues. On the Nuggets side, Monty Morris was back, but Faku started. Morris got the majority of the minutes. However, he had 29 minutes versus 20 for Campazzo. I'm not sure that split is going to be that one-sided going forward since Morris may have got gotten some extra run because he was super hot. He had 20 points with five threes. Uh, however, I do expect Morris to be the main point guard there, and he should be a low-end 12-team option. I won't call him a must-have, and if you're struggling, I'd take a streaming spot over him, but he is viable for his points and assists. With Morris back, Faku goes back to being a build-dependent asset. I think he'll still have some decent value and punt field goal percentage. Should be useful for his threes, assists, and steals, but he's not going to be the mid-round guy that he's been with Morris out. Speaking of build-dependent guys, Aaron Gordon had 17 points, one three, three boards, and nothing else. In Roto, he's just a top 150-ish option. He's not someone I would want in my starting lineup. In head-to-head, he can be more of a top 120 guy since you can slide him into friendly builds like punt free throw percentage and punt steals. I wouldn't call Gordon a must in 10 team leagues. He's a bit like Keldon Johnson where he's not really made for category leagues and his popcorn numbers overstate his usefulness. Nets Pacers is up next. Kyrie's return was a success. He had a big second half, and the Nets pulled off a comeback win against the Pacers. Irving had 22 with four dimes, three steals, and one block on his usual great efficiency. It's going to be a first-round player on a per- game basis. I'm very confident of that. The top five is actually possible. He can produce useful numbers in every category for his position. So his upside is just insane. So is his floor. However, he's going to be a brutal hold in leagues that do not have IL plus spots, just the normal IL leagues. He's now done for the week and only has one game next week. So he's going to kill you for the next week and a half. Without IL plus spots, assuming you aren't comfortably in a buy position, I'd be trying to sell him to someone who wants to gamble on him getting vaxxed because that's the only way that he's going to help you instead of hurt you during the fantasy playoffs in non-IL plus leagues. He's probably not getting vaxxed and New York is definitely not changing his rules. And in March, the Nets only have seven away games and only three of those games come after March 10th. So you might even only get four or five playoff games out of him. And that's assuming he stays healthy, which is a big if with Kyrie. 
Aldridge came back and played 16 minutes. I'm holding for now. We don't know what his role is going to look like when he's fully up to speed. And Nash loves messing around with his rotation. Claxton is a hold as well. He's the main big man for now. That may stick since the Nets don't need LMA's offense as badly with Kyrie kind of back. Patty Mills moved to the bench but still played 35. I wouldn't call him a must though. I'm fine as a backhand guy in 12, but it's just points and threes, which doesn't make him very different from a bunch of guys likely available on your wire. With so many guys out right now, I'd value a streaming spot over him, especially in weeks where threes aren't in play. Still no Brogdon, Duarte, or Levert on the Pacers side last night, so Kiefer Sykes and Dwayne Washington got another start. Sykes went wild for 18-5-3 with two triples. Washington didn't do much, but he did have 10 points and two threes. Both players are done as useful streamers, as it sounds like the regulars are going to be back for the Pacers' next game on Saturday. Same goes for Lance Stevenson, who had one of the flukier 30-point games of the year. Um, that was fun. That was great to see. But before last night, he wasn't doing anything. So it would be pretty shocking if he played decent minutes when everyone is back. He's also on a 10-day contract, and there's a decent chance that he gets cut. Uh, Brissett had 8-8 eight and eight and continues to be a must-watch, but he's not even a 16-team hold at this point. Just someone to keep an eye on because he had an extended mid-round run last year, and the Pacers could trade one of their bigs. They're also going nowhere fast, so it's possible that we get a shutdown or two late. That makes Brissett interesting again. The Raps versus the Bucks is next. The Raptors are fully healthy finally, and their starting lineup is looking very good, both in real life and in fantasy. Siakam continues to absolutely feast. He's averaged 25-11 and almost 7 assists with 1.6 steals per game over the last two weeks. That is a nasty line. His ranking has been mediocre due to a tough stretch at the line, but all the recent signs are very good. I would expect him to eventually settle in as a top 40 player. Fred had another nice line and should be valued as a top 10 player. I think I had him 15th this year in my preseason rankings, 15th or 16th. And if he keeps this up, I'm probably going to have him in my top 12 next year. Yeah, there's some injury risk here due to the crazy minutes, but pretty much every early round guy carries some injury risk this year. Trent had 22 points with three triples, five boards, and a block. I know some people are a little worried about Trent, but I'm not. His deflections remain elite, so I don't think we're going to see his steal rate fall off too much. And since he's getting 34 minutes a night, it's going to be pretty hard for his points and threes to fall off. The Raptors bench rotation is also really ugly, so I don't see who is coming to take his minutes. Barnes has struggled since getting out of protocol and is a bit of a buy low. I'd be willing to give up a top 90-ish option for the rookie, but I wouldn't go higher than that. His borderline top 65 ranking is a little inflated because the Raptors haven't had their starters for more than a handful of games this year. Now that the team's finally healthy, he's going to lose some touches, probably lose some value. Should still be a top 100-ish guy, but you should be a little careful here. Boucher only played 14 minutes with everyone healthy and fine, holding in 14-team leagues for his blocks, but in 12-team leagues, I'd rather stream his spot. There's not too much upside here with all the Raptors starters having already gone through protocol, so now that he doesn't have COVID to give him a path to big minutes, he needs a couple of injuries to be useful again, and that's less likely. No Giannis, Connington, Allen, or Dante last night, which led to 40 minutes for Nuora and almost 19 for Cousins. We can ignore the Cousins' minutes since he just got cut. Keep an eye out for news on where he signs, but I can't see how he ends up in a big role. Nuora, on the other hand, should be pretty useful for the next few games, especially with Drew Holiday now in protocol. He's a real nice streamer if you need points, threes, and boards. The schedule makes him even more attractive. The Bucks start a stretch of three games in four nights on Friday. After that stretch, you can probably just send him to the wire since he has no long-term value. With so many of the guards out. Wes Matthews also becomes a very nice point to three streamer for the next three games. Portis and Middleton should also get a nice bump and uptick in usage with Drew out for a bit, especially if Giannis has to take another game or two off. 
The Wolves vs. Thunder is our next game. The Wolves got Townsend D'Lo back and took down the Thunder by 8. Their return ended Nas Reed's and Malik Beasley's run of usefulness. Reed only played 11 minutes and Beasley played only 18. Both are drops in 12 and 14 team leagues, although they should play slightly more than that most nights. Beasley is on way too many rosters right now due to what he did last year. If you've been holding out hope that he was going to turn it around, uh, give up. It's not happening without a ton of injuries. Vanderbilt played 30 and his role looks super safe to me been a borderline mid-round guy who is a clear mid-round guy in friendly builds like punt points and punt threes. If one of those is your build, I'd try to trade for him because his price is going to be well, well below what his value is in your build. Pat Beverly only played 26, but he went crazy. Went ham with 20 points, five threes, four boards, six dimes, one steal, and one block. The points are a fluke, but the well-rounded line is not. Bev, Bev has a really good shot at being a top 100 guy this year, and he's going to be a mid-round asset in friendly builds like punt points, so he should definitely be on a roster in 10 team leagues. The Thunder are fantasy's most useless team. SGA is a borderline top 50 guy. He can be more than that if his field goal percentage improves. He's currently shooting an incredibly disappointing 42% from the floor. SGA was supposed to be one of those few guards that helps us win the category, and instead he's been a huge drag. The dip is mostly due to an increase in three-point attempts and a bottoming out of his three-point percentage, shooting only 28.5% from three which probably isn't sustainable, but since he's taken extra threes this year, he has no chance of shooting even 48%. Last year, he was over 50. At this point, even 46 might be a stretch because even if his three ball improves, the extra attempts are going to drag down his field goal percentage. Giddy had another really nice game with 14 points, 15 boards, and 6 assists. He's a bit of a sell high since he's coming off of arguably his two best games of the year. And because he's likely got more trade value than he should have due to him being a rookie with strong popcorn stats, I like Giddy, but he's only been a top 169 cat guy this year. Due to his reputation, you might be able to get a top 100 guy for him. It's worth a shot. Besides those two, no one else is standard league worthy or even all that close. Dort had a nice run, but he's fallen off as expected. His game's just not made for for fantasy, at least in category leagues. Can't shoot right now, and he's barely been a top 200 player over the last month. In 14 team leagues, he's fine to hold, but he'll only be useful in punt field goal percentage. The Sixers pulled away from the Magic late behind 31 from Embiid and 20 from both Seth Curry and Furkan Korkmaz. Neither of those 20-point lines are super surprising. Curry has been doing this all year, and he's locked in as a top 80 guy. Really, the only thing that could trip him up is the Ben Simmons trade. If you have CJ McCollum or Dame coming back, then that could kill Curry. Uh, but in the current setup, his value is pretty safe. Furkan dropped 20. That's not super surprising either because he's playing massive minutes right now and he usually gives us something pretty useful when given big minutes. Played 40 last night and 36 the game before. Thibault's back next game and the Sixers only have one game over the next four days. So as nice as Korkmaz has been and can be, they're probably better and safer short-term options out there. Danny Green played 24 and pulled a Tony Snell. He didn't record a stat outside of two missed shot attempts and a foul. I'd hold Green in 14 team leagues despite the mega dud. In 12, he's more of a must-watch than a must-have. Green can turn into a mid-round player overnight, but his big stretches are really hard to predict. So outside of Roto, where you can just stash him on your bench and wait for him to get hot, he's a tough hold in 12 team leagues. Drummond at 12-8 and eight off the bench with four defensive contributions. I'd hold if I had Embiid or thought I could get something from the Embiid manager for Drum. Outside of those setups, he's expendable if you're struggling. But yeah, in most cases, I would try to hold for his late season upside. The Sixers have a great playoff schedule. It's 4-4-4 in some setups. And if Embiid goes down in March, Drummond could swing leagues. On the Magic side, my guy Mo Bamba had his first big game since returning from protocol. He had 19 points, 8 boards, 2 steals, and 2 blocks. It's possible that he takes a hit eventually due to a John Isaac return, but at this point I'd place over under on Isaac 
Isaac Games at like 18, might not even play as much as Kyrie this year. He's apparently behind Fultz in his recovery, and it doesn't sound like Fultz is super close. If you can move Bamba for a top 50 player, then I'd probably do it, but I wouldn't be selling him for like a top 75 guy. In 9-cat, Bamba has been a top 45 asset up to this point, and his boards and blocks are just really valuable with quality bigs being really hard to find. Like when was the last time we had a quality big pop-up off the wire? It's only happened a few times this year. Cole Anthony came back. He scored 26 and 21 shots with plenty of extras, but he did hurt his ankle. There's no word on the severity, but keep an eye out for that. Maybe it will swell up overnight. Anthony's a better bet to lose value eventually since Suggs is a lock to come back and Fultz is likely to be back before Isaac. Anthony has been a top 60 player so far, and I'd be trying to sell for a mid-round option. I bet it'll be useful all year long, but we've likely seen his peak. Anthony's return took some usage from Franz Wagner, but the rookie still put up a decent line. Wagner's minutes are very safe, and while he won't continue to be the 20 points per game guy he's been lately, the top 100 is still very doable, as is the mid-rounds and friendly builds. With Anthony back, Gary Harris's run is probably over, at least in 12-team leagues. I might give him a couple more games in deeper settings, but only 11 shots last night isn't a great sign. He's probably not even going to be a long-term 16-team league guy, since once the injured young guys come back, they'll come for Harris's minutes. Ross had another nice game off the bench with 18 points, two threes, and eight boards. He should be rostered in all leagues right now. He's been a top 60 player over the last month, and he's averaged 18.3 points per game, 1.93 per game, 4.8 rebounds per game, and 1.0 steals per game. Ross is probably getting traded at some point, but until he cools off, he's a must. The Heat had a real gutty win over the Blazers, despite Jimmy and Bam being out and Lowry getting tossed early. Struess was a hero of the night with 25 points and 7 threes. Yurt Sivan also had a nice game with 14 and 16 with 4 assists, a 3, and a block. Both guys would be no-brainer grabs or holds if it wasn't for the Heat's upcoming schedule. From this Thursday through next Tuesday, the Heat only have one game and five nights off. That gives their injured regulars lots of time to come back, so holding either guy through that very quiet stretch in the schedule probably won't end up being worth it. P.J. Tucker also looked good last night with 14, 10, and 6 with a steal, block, and a 3, but he's not worth holding outside of the deepest of leagues. Only been a top 200 guy this year, and that terrible upcoming schedule just kills whatever little value he had. Hero is the other guy we'll talk about. He got tossed late for a scrap with Nurk and could be looking at a suspension. Hero is a guy you will want to try to sell high the next time he goes off. He's been trending down for a while now, but I'm not sure the masses have noticed. Hero's only been a top 159 cat player on the year and is ranked outside of the top 200 over the last month. And that's with the Heat playing down a bunch of regulars over that stretch and Hero's usage and minutes being artificially inflated. I'd see if you could get a clear top 100 player for him. You might even be able to do better than that due to his name recognition and how much fantasy players love to overvalue PPG. Simons had another nice game for the Blazers with 28 points, 5 threes, and 7 dimes. He is an obvious must-have everywhere, and also someone you will want to sell high on. It's hard to say how long Lillard will be out for, but CJ likely isn't that that far away, and once McCollum's healthy, Simons' value will take a massive hit. It's not impossible that Simons is a very useful peak piece all year long, but I think the most likely scenario is that he ends up as just a forgettable streamer long-term. Nurk and Norm will pick up some extra usage as well with Dame out. Norm was a little cold early in the season, but he's back to his usual self lately. He's been a borderline top 60 player over the last month. Should be a mid-round guy the rest of the way. Nurk is harder to predict. His free throw percentage is trending down and his blocks remain MIA. We need both to rebound in a big way for him to be more than just the top 100 guy that he's been so far. He's really useful in the right build, but I haven't seen anything lately to suggest that he's about to turn into the top 40 player that many hoped he would be. Also, keep an eye out for a suspension. He threw a bit of a jab at Hero last night, so he might get a game for that. 
Nance picked up a knee injury that looked like it could be bad. I'm fine with dropping in 12-team leagues. He's likely going to miss some time. And with Nurk back, it's unlikely that Nance is going to be more than just a low-end option. Nance was playing a little better with Nurk out, but he was still ranked outside of the top 100, so it's not like he was killing it. Expect Covington to pick up some extra minutes if Nurk is out. Cove has been inconsistent, but he should be rostered in all leagues. Little should benefit as well, but he's just a deep league option. Our second last game of the day is the Hawks versus the Kings. The Kings got the win despite Trey Young missing the game with back soreness. It doesn't seem like more than a minor thing, but if Young does have to miss more time, you should stream DeLon Wright. Wright played almost 40 minutes last night. He had 15 points, 4 rebounds, 4 dimes, and 2 steals. He's not a big points or threes guy, but he can help almost everywhere else. He produces a more well-rounded line than a lot of point guards. Cam Reddish was back after a one-game absence. He had 18 points on 19 shots. A couple threes, a steal, and a block. That's a nice line outside of the efficiency. Reddish is fine to have in 12-team leagues for now, but when Hunter and Bogdanovich are back, he'll be just a so-so deep league option. Reddish is blown up every now and then this year, but his game isn't super fantasy-friendly, and he doesn't have a ton of upside. Despite improving quite a bit this year and getting some extra run due to all the Hawks injuries, Reddish has just been a top 165 player in 9-cat. Gallo got a surprise start with Herter moving to the bench, and that switch worked for the Hawks. Both guys played pretty well. Gallo had 16 points and hit all 7 of his free-throw attempts. He's a real nice points and threes option right now and an absolutely elite free throw percentage impact option. Still one of the best in that category, even though he's not playing huge minutes these days. Herter had a massive 25.11 rebound and five assist night with a three and a steal. Like Gowan Reddish, Herter's fine to stream for now, but he won't have much value if the Hawks ever do get close to 100%. The Kings are looking hopeless again. Fox and Halliburton had real nice games and everyone else struggled. Harrison Barnes continues to trend down in a hurry and has been pretty rough since the coaching change. I'm not against buying low, but the price would have to be pretty cheap for me to consider it. Maybe a top 125 player, and I wouldn't consider that a steal. I'm not giving up a top 100 guy for Barnes right now, not even close. He hasn't even been a top 175 player over the last two months, and there's no guarantee that his season turns around. Barnes hasn't been a good fantasy option for most of his career, and his minutes and usage have dipped under Gentry. I wouldn't even call him a must-hold in 10-team leagues. Damian Jones started again. He had 7-4 and four with no blocks. The tough night was due to some foul trouble, so he's still worth streaming until Holmes is back. He's clearly ahead of Alex Landon, Tristan Thompson, and can produce nice numbers in the big man categories on nights when he's playing 25 minutes. Bagley had another rebounds and not much else kind of night. It's just a rebound streamer in category leagues. In deeper points leagues, he can be useful due to the format, but in category leagues, he has no upside since he contributes in so few categories. Buddy Heald had 11 points and 6 rebounds off of the bench. He's been really streaky this year, but he's still producing around top 100 numbers. He's a nice trade target in punt field goal percentage if you need a points and threes boost because it'll probably come pretty cheap. If you ignore his 39% shooting, he turns into a top 70 option. We are really rolling today. We're already on to our last game of the day, which is the Rockets against the Wizards. KPJ came back in a big way with the game winning three. If you've been holding KPJ, now is the time to try to sell. Probably already missed your sell high window where maybe a top 100, top 115 player is in play, but the hype from the game winner might get somebody interested. In category leagues, really, you can sell for anyone with any long-term value and come out a winner because KPJ is close to none, especially in nine category leagues. Ranked outside of the top 200 this year, and that's in punt field goal percentage. That tells you how bad he's been. He's, the idea was that you could throw him into punt field goal percentage and punt turnovers and that he'd be good, but he's just a back-end player even there. In nine caddy, he hasn't even been a top 275 player this year. In points leagues, he's solid, but in category leagues, he's not a must-hold. He's actually on the wire in some of my leagues, and I'm not even considering him. Jalen Green 
is also just a low-end option at best at the moment. He had 22 points, two threes, and six boards. I'd rather stash him than KPJ since we know that KPJ, what KPJ is and what KPJ is, isn't pretty at the moment. Green could be useless all year long, but he's not going to annihilate our percentages or turnovers like KPJ is, so the bad nights won't hurt us as much. I don't have a ton of hope for Green's non-scoring numbers, but he could end up as a nice points and threes option over the second half of the year. Since coming back, he's averaged a real nice 20.5 points per game and 3.3 threes per game. Jayshon Tate had 13 and 10 and not much else. Not a must hold in 12 team leagues. I think Tate will probably be useful down the stretch, but right now with the Rockets still rolling with Wood, his minutes are going to be up and down, and so will his usage rate. Over the last month, Tate has not even been a top 200 guy. Garrison Matthews is worth watching, but it looks like his run is done. He played 26 minutes off the bench and only got five shots. Christopher is also done with the starting backcourt healthy. He only played 14 minutes last night. The Wizards got nice games out of Beal, KCP, and Kuzma. Beal's trending up, but he's probably not going to be a top 20 guy this year because he's lost about three free throw attempts a night. Maybe gets some back like Harden did, but he's probably not matching last year's 7.7 free throw attempts per game. We just have to cross our fingers that his threes and steal rate wakes up. I wouldn't be selling right now. You probably can't get great value for him. And with the Wizards having a very strong playoff schedule, he's going to be super valuable in the fantasy playoffs as long as he's healthy, even if he tops out as like a top 35 guy. Kuzma played 44 minutes and had 24 and 9 with a couple of defensive contributions. He's been a very nice points league option this year, and that should continue to be the case. I'm less confident in his category league staying power since Hachimura will eventually hurt him a little bit, and because Kuzma doesn't have much room for error in category leagues due to his issues with field goal percentage and free throw percentage, Kuz has been a borderline top 125 9-cat option guy this year. KCP had 26 on 10 for 16 shooting with 5 threes, 6 boards, 3 steals, and 2 blocks. That's a massive line. We love to see it. He's playing big minutes with Dinwiddie out and is back in the standard league convo. I'm holding for now, although I think he's probably going to settle in as more of a solid 14-team piece once I had the Wizards get healthy. Grab him if you need threes and steals, though. He works for those two categories in all leagues. The last guy that we'll talk about is Denny. Denny had a very rough game last night, but he's been pretty decent lately and is a nice short-term ad for those who need rebounds, defensive contributions, and maybe a three a night. Not a long-term option, though, so be careful who you drop for him. And with that, we've hit all 11 games. Thanks for sticking with me. That was a doozy, and I hope it was helpful. As always, if you have any questions, hit me up on Slack. If you're an EFP subscriber or on Twitter at Adam G. Stock, I'll be back next Thursday with next week's pod. Thanks for listening, guys.